Hi, listeners of College Prep Genius. This is Felice Gerwitz, and I'm the founder and director of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network, as well as a podcaster. My show is Vintage Homeschool Moms, and I'd love to share my insights, tips, and sometimes humorous take on life as a homeschool mom with all of you. I'd love to have you tune in after you've listened to this wonderful broadcast. And while you're at it, head over to iTunes and be sure to give this podcast a star rating. Share it on social media or in an email with your friends. And then head over to Vintage Homeschool Moms and join me there. I look forward to connecting with you. And please come over and see all our great shows on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network, as well as the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Thanks and God bless. Welcome to the College Prep Genius Radio Show, where we can answer all your questions about getting college for free. Today, your host is Jean Burke, the author of College Prep Genius, The No-Brainer Way to SAT Success, and you can find her at collegeprepgenius.com. And I'm the moderator, Felice Gerwitz. Welcome. Hi, everyone, and welcome. This is Felice Gerwitz, your moderator, along with Jean Burke with College Prep Genius. And today, uh, this is episode number 58. You can find the show notes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. And we have been sharing in the last two episodes, the insider secrets about college entrance. And uh, today we are going to be sharing six more um, in this episode. And uh, we are excited because you're able, Gene, to get um, into a little bit, uh, you know, more detail than if we just threw them all out there at one time. So uh, today uh, we've already revealed um, 11 secrets, so we are on number 12. So let's get started. All right. Thanks. I'm so excited. All right. So number 12 inside secret that the either the test makers don't want you to know, test prep companies don't want you to know, or maybe you just don't know that some of these things that can really benefit your student or even hinder scores if you've been uh, told the wrong information. But number 12 is you really need to learn how to interpret the percentiles of the PSAT score. And a lot of people are confused by them. You'll get this uh, scoring in the mail, and it has, you know, 55 percentile, 97 percentile. What is actually does that mean? Where do I fall into this category? You know, how do I get that national merit range in the junior year, and, and, and where do I look for this? Well, you know, students can find out these percentiles and what their actually PSAT scores fall into by using what's called the official chart from the National Merit Corporation. And if you want to go directly to it and you want to see kind of if your child took the PSAT last year, let's say they got a 1280 and you have no idea what that means, what percentile is that, or maybe they got a 1060, uh, you know, go to collegeprepgenius.com forward slash PSAT scores. Make sure the PSAT is capitalized. Uh, and turn to pages six through nine, and that's going to tell you. And it's going to give you a good baseline, too. So uh, you'll say, okay, so here's where we're at. Here's, uh, you know, the starting points of um, what we, you know, where we need to go from here. And so uh, 
it, it's I think it's really important because if you don't know your starting point, you're never going to know where you know where you need to go from there. So this is why I'm such a big believer, you know, in starting taking the PSAT in the earlier grades because you have such a greater chance of learning from your weaknesses long before the junior year. Um, and, and also remember, too, and I think this is, again, something you know, we talked about in the PSAT uh, podcast, but your student's test booklet can actually come back to your home. Uh, used to you had to put the homeschool code in. They changed it last year to now if you're a, if you're a homeschooler, you have to bo- check box 22 um, for it to actually come back to your home. Now, as a homeschooling parent, if you don't check that box, if your student does not check that box, then, of course, uh, it'll go back to the school that they took it at, and it's poss- possible that you may not ever, ever see it again. So definitely want to make sure that you do that. And, and also, again, keep in mind that the PSAT uh, is for the National Merit Scholarship Program. It's not a practice PSAT, uh, practice SAT. And, you know, it's kind of my sort of soapbox that I stand on and tell everyone, please, 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 you know, your goal obviously is to score in that 99 percentile of your state, you know, in that in the fall uh, when you're in the scholarship range for your the junior year. And so, uh, again, not trying to put all your eggs in one basket. You definitely want to start taking that early. I mean, it literally can be life-changing. Your, your decision can go from – the, not, it should not be the finances, but it should be the institution. And that's what happened to us. Our, our dilemma went from not having any money for college uh, to where in the world should my son go to because he had so many offers. And when you're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of scholarship money to just about any college, it is so worth it to make this test a priority. And, of course, for homeschoolers, you know, we can make, test prep and elective, you know, in our school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though as a homeschooling mom myself, you know, math is important, English, science, writing, all these subjects are so important and should be done. But none of those things will get your child a free ride to college. So that is why it's so important for you to incorporate test prep as another subject that your students, you know, will be, uh, you know, doing daily so that, Ultimately, you know, they can get amazing scholarships because these are readable tests. They're just logic tests, and they use the same patterns. So uh, by knowing that and preparing for the PSAT and understanding the percentile, the goal is to shoot for is the 99 percentile of your state. Okay, very good. Okay, so what's the next thing? Well, leading right into that, believe it or not, your state, I'm not sure where you live, we have lots of listeners from all over, but your state can actually miss out on so many incredible scholarship opportunities. Uh, You know, I'm blessed to speak at lots of different homeschool conferences all across the nation, and um, so many times when I'm more in some of the middle states, or as we now call them, the flyover states, um, there's so much wrong information, and I think most people don't realize, you know, like we talked about earlier, that every college takes SAT or ACT for their entrance exam. But there's a lot of a lot of states, sort of the mid states, that actually only promote the ACT. And by doing that, what happens is they don't promote the SAT, which of course means they don't promote the PSAT, which of course is designed by the SAT makers. And so. 
by only preferring the ACT, many, many students are missing out on those amazing opportunities because they don't even have it on their radar. Uh, so when they redesigned the new SAT and PSAT, uh, they also changed the scoring system. You know, we know the SAT is 1600, um, but the PSAT actually went to a range from 320 to 1520. Now, the scoring is different, and each state is going to vary depending on their cutoff score. So what's interesting is, depending on what state you live in and how well students do, we'll decide what the 99 percentile is for your particular state. Uh, I'll give you some examples. Um, you know, tech, here in Texas, you know, the, the predicted cutoff score is around 1450 out of 1520. Uh, you know, Oregon is around a 1460, Missouri about a 1400, you know, Montana around 1390. Um, there's even a state that's 1340. Now, I'm not going to give you that state. I'm going to give you a cliffhanger and tell you where to find that. So you can actually go to collegeprepgenius.com forward slash predicted PSAT scores, and PSAT is capitalized. And you can find the predicted scores for every state. So see where you kind of fall in, uh, too. Um, you know, it's not surprising that most students are confused about their specific score ranks in their own state. So the, those states that do have the lowest cutoff scores tend to be the ones that only promote the ACT and not the SAT. So here's good news for those of you out there who live in some of those states. People are not taking the PSAT, so you have a much better chance, a greater chance, and I've seen this happen so many times, of receiving that national merit status um, because the people in your area or the schools are only promoting the ACT. So, you know, again, if you're preparing for the, the PSAT, you're preparing for the ACT and SAT vice versa because of the crossover information. And really the only difference between the SAT and the PSAT is 15 minutes. So 15 minutes shorter on the PSAT with no optional essay. Uh, that's really the only difference. So, again, great way to go figure out where your state is. Go to that link and uh, kind of give yourself a starting point of what you want to shoot for. Very good. As you were talking, I was thinking that, is that possible? And then you said that. So <laughs> it makes sense to me, and that's that's really exciting. Wonderful. All right. What's the next point before we go to break? All right. Point number 14, you may not want to take so many standardized tests, but by doing so, taking both the SAT and ACT can really pay dividends, all right? You know, we've touched on this so much, but guess what? There are actually colleges that will give more money based on their institution's own preferences for either the SAT or the ACT. So in other words, so while you can do just one test and have them convert the score, you may have an advantage to scoring well on both formats. So the more high scores that you have across both platforms can mean better opportunities. And of course, this is going to help alleviate your chances, excuse me, help elevate your chances of admit, admittance as well as scholarship money. So again, if you say, you know what, I can just do one or the other because they're going to convert the score, that's totally true. But ideally, if you get high scores on both, and let's say the, t the school you want, want to go to, you know, prefers one uh, over the other, but you've taken them both, 
they may give more money on the ACT or they may give more money on the SAT. So just having another tool in your tool belt um, can make a huge difference. And so, we, you know, we always talk about the conversion chart um, that you can download if you go to uh, collegeprepgenius.com forward slash SAT, ACT, ACT conversion chart. Uh, we'll kind of give you the idea of, uh, you know, the scoring for both uh, and how you can receive more money. And, and there is an op- op- optimal range. So what you want to do is find out which score is higher and certainly, you know, obviously even convert the score if you have to. But this can literally equate to several more thousand dollars beyond what you might ordinarily receive. And, and, and keep in mind, there are 13 opportunities nationally uh, to take the SAT and ACT. Six times for the ACT, uh, seven times for the SAT. Uh, so, and one of the things too that you can do is you can actually, um, uh, you know, go to my website and I, I list the overview and kind of the, not only the, diff, the minor differences between the SAT and ACT, but you can also note the timing. And, and one of the reasons why students do poorly on these type of tests has to do with time. Uh, example. Um, on the SAT uh, writing portion, you you get 44 questions, 35 minutes to do it in, and that comes to 47 seconds a question. So you can see why students don't do well. Or the ACT English section is 36 seconds. Um, the the reading section they give you 52 seconds per question. Um, so uh, by understanding that, that you know you generally get around a minute or less per question on both the SAT and ACT, that, again, that can help you when you're practicing and knowing how to time yourself. And, and, and again, every question can be answered in 30 seconds or less anyways. Uh, so just, just keep in mind, uh, try both of them. There's free tests on both their websites. One you might do a little bit better on the other. One you might feel more comfortable on. But, you know, again, it could yield more money for you in the long run. Very good. All right, Jean, we're going to take a really quick commercial break, and when we come back, you're going to share three more points with the listeners. We'll be right back. With College Prep Genius, free college can happen to you. That's right. It's never too early to start thinking about test prep to secure your future. Imagine getting free tuition, room and board, free grad school, and more based on your SAT score. College Prep Genius is the key to free. This award-winning, nationally-featured program teaches students the logic behind the SAT. You'll learn to answer every question in 30 seconds, raise your score as much as 600 points, and go to the college of your dreams for free. Visit College Prep Genius to know more. and welcome back. This is Felice Gerwitz, your moderator with Jean Burke on the line. And Jean has been sharing some amazing insider secrets about college entrance tests. And uh, we are, um, you know, on the next uh, three for this podcast. I lost track of the numbers, Jean. So uh, share that with us. All right. Well, we are number 15. Uh, okay. And uh, again, I love, I love, love, love little known secrets. I love revealing truth. I love enlightening people. Um, I think when we're armed with knowledge and information, then we can make an informed decision. 
it's only when we're kept in the dark that, you know, we don't necessarily get the best opportunities. And so this is why, you know, as we said along the way, these things that I've learned and whether it's uh, inadvertently or I've sought them out, you know, I definitely love sharing them, uh, you know, with the audience. So number 15, an SAT essay judge confesses that he spends 20 seconds grading the essays. Now, that sounds crazy, but what happens is 10 days following the actual SAT uh, and even ACT, the the papers are, are scanned into the computer and they're sent out to all the judges across the nation. And these judges start grading anywhere from 7 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. And, and they're reading thousands of essays. And so they don't have time to go through and read and decipher what an amazing writer your student is. What they have time to do is just find out if you contain the five or six key points that they're looking for. Um, so even though you, as a student, have, you know, to get a great score, you put lots of effort into timing and organizing and analyzing your SAT or ACT essay in the time they gave you, you know, basically these 3,600 prospective judges across the nation really are just going to skim it in about 20 to 30 seconds, and then they're going to move on to the next essay and then the next one and then the next one. And, and what these judges do, they, they have a minimal requirement of having a college degree, and they've taught writing classes. And so they are faced with a task of reading thousands of very subjective essays. So what they do is they use a very objective grading system that is, of course, standardized across the board. So armed with not necessarily looking for writing prowls, but a few key points, the judges quickly skim the paper anywhere from 20 to 30 seconds. And so Someone I know says he, he basically reads three a minute, or in other words, 20 seconds a paper. So I do have friends who are essay judges. I do have lots of students with perfect essay scores. Uh, it, again, it's a matter of, you know, how well can you answer questions under pressure? How well can you put together a, a great analytical response from an article that you've never read before in your life and do it well in a short amount of time? So. Uh, yeah, about 20, 30 seconds is what you're going to get. So don't expect them to uh, look for everything you poured your heart into, but just looking for a few key things. Can you give us like an example of maybe one or two? And that's probably this is in your your class that you teach. But just give us like an idea. Oh, ab absolutely, absolutely. So. We, in my program, I have a proven template that the students can use and follow and get amazing scores. And so one of the things um, that uh, students need to realize is that this new analytical essay uh, by the college, well, not the old one, not the persuasive one, or one that's like the, the ACT, um, is not asking for your opinion. It, you, don't have, you do not agree or disagree with the author, uh, but for lack of a better word, you've got to take their information in their essay and regurgitate it back out on your paper and sound really smart. So when you're doing that, you have got to find some very solid, concrete examples from the essay. And so in, without having to read the entire essay, now eventually you'll re read a good amount of it, uh, but there's no need to read it in the beginning because it's just too much information. Uh, you're going to kind of do it in bite sizes. 
But really, you're skimming the essay, and you're looking for three examples. And a big key to find examples, and there's usually one to two in every paragraph, and that is to look for numbers. And, you know, there's usually going to be some kind of survey, some kind of statistic, uh, you know, some kind of report that has a date on it. And if you'll just kind of skim it, you can very easily find some examples. Okay, very good. Very good to know. All right, and the next point. All right, so this is real exciting. Uh, if you are, number 16, if you are in the know, there is another little-known secret chance to take a test. And this is called the residual ACT. And this is an extra, almost secret chance to take the test at non-conventional times during the year. We know the ACT is offered six times a year. Uh, and, and, and here's some of the great advantages of taking this residual ACT. Uh, generally, most ACTs are taken on a Saturday. Well, this can often be a hindrance to students for a lot of reasons. One, you know, they might have a job or play, have some kind of sports event on Friday night. Maybe they're up late for various reasons. So the residual ACT is given on the campus of most colleges, and it's administered several times a year. You know, depending on the venue, it can be offered weekly or e even monthly. Now, here's some other advantages to this. These also include the ability to pay at the college, which, of course, will you know, avoid some deadlines and late fees. And you can even receive your score back super quickly. I mean, sometimes anywhere from a day or up to a week. So this score can be used. Now, it can only be used for that particular school. However, uh, students can take the residual ACT test at other campuses uh, with the result, again, only being applicable for that particular school and not any other. Now, the great thing is, since these are official ACTs, you, you get such incredible advantage uh, from the ACT uh, because it seems crazy to redo a test because you might do better. But listen to this. Just one paltry point on the ACT can increase you another $20,000 at a lot of campuses. Um, so it's completely and utterly worthwhile for you to take advantage of this little-known secret um, because the fact that you get your scores back so quickly and you don't – let's say you're looking to get a 31 and you get a 30 and you know one more point is going to add another 20000 per year, uh, now you have the opportunity to sign up for another one to go back and take it again. Uh, sometimes it takes sometimes several weeks to actually get your other SATs and ACTs back. So uh, pretty cool, you know, you, you, uh, you know, this potential magazine had a whole article about the secret ACT test, if you want to Google that, but it's, it's called the residual ACT. Okay, so what is a perfect ACT score? 36. Okay. All righty. So I, I wondered. Okay. So this is called a residual SAT. Very good. ACT. ACT. Oh, ACT. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. All right. Number so, 17. Oh, sorry. Okay. So go back. So this is only for ACT. Only for ACT. As of now, I don't know that ACT has such a thing. Um, but, again, the schools could be offering it every week, every month. This is outside of those six national ones that everybody knows about. Okay. 
So for clarification, um, this is just for the ACT, not the SAT. And um, you, oh, you were making correct. the analogy that most SATs are taken on a Saturday, so it can be a hindrance, um, but you were referring here just to the ACT. Very good. Okay, wonderful. All right, so last point, number 17. Um, you may want to reconsider advice from other companies that tell you um, if you're not sure about an answer, uh, you know, just guess. You know, um, before the SAT changed, um, there was a guessing penalty that said, uh, hey, if you miss this question, you guess on it, you get it wrong, you get a minus a quarter point, which, you know, in many cases could have added up to a couple hundred points that you could have lost based on the fact that you just guessed and you got it wrong. You know, we always encourage people just to skip it if they didn't know it, so you didn't at least get points taken away. Well, when the SET re was redesigned, they actually removed the guessing penalty, just like the ACT had already done. So now it means that if you guess, and of course the answer is wrong, you won't certainly get any points deducted. Sounds good in theory. Um, and what this has done is this has caused a whole slew of test prep companies to encourage students to guess if you don't know the answer. Well, let's look at this and employ, employ some good old-fashioned logic. The SAT question, questions have four answer options, and the ACT has five options. This means that if you guess on the SAT, you have a 75% chance of getting it wrong. If you guess on the ACT, you have an 80% chance of getting it wrong. So based on the bell curve, uh, when you get an answer right, it can be worth as much as 40 points. So that means students, you know, shouldn't be quick to guess on a question if they don't understand. Uh, again, as some people are promoting, what, what I've taught the kids on, on test success is how to answer more correct questions by using, obviously, some time-tested improvement techniques and strategies. So, and once you learn these, obviously you can do very, very well. What most students do, and I'll give you kind of an example of why, and this is why a lot of times um, smart students, valedictorians, uh, you know, AP honor students uh, do terrible, uh, is based on the fact of time with about a minute or so or even less per question. What they tend to do is they start with question one, they really work on it two or three minutes, and they go to two and three and four. And, you know, you're already getting behind based on time. And very often they don't even get through half of the test because they because they ran out of time. The timer went off. Um, what the ideal goal and one of the strategies that we teach is that you should actually go through the test three or four times instead of just once. Uh, a great advantage, especially since you get somewhere around a minute per question. So the key is this. So if you come across a question and you sort of give it a good 10-second glance over uh, and you can't answer it quickly, then your ideal goal is simply to skip it. Just kind of put a star next to it and move it, move move on and come back to it later. And then what happens is get to as many as you can through the test one time and then come back to the ones that you skipped. And so many times, so very often, our uh, subconscious is, you know, still working on the questions and the problems. And very often when you come back to it, you can, you can see it. Um, and so by doing that and then, then going through and answering the questions that take a little bit more thought and then coming back through it maybe a third time and then going, finding the questions that take more thought. 
By doing this, you will have answered way more questions than you would have ever answered by just trying to work them one at a time and trying to spend several minutes on each one. And the cool thing about answering lots of questions in, let's say, 30 seconds or less, you may come back in the end and have a few questions that you really don't know how to answer quickly, but you've saved so much time on those other questions that now you have this luxury of being able to spend a couple of minutes on each question um, because of your earlier techniques. And, and of course, this, is, this has allowed you to go through the test several times, answer some that you would have never even got to, and answer a whole lot more, which, of course, is going to increase your scores dramatically. Um, so uh, be very careful of advice. This whole idea of if you don't know it, guess, because it doesn't cost you points. Yes, guess what? It can definitely cost you points. So Very definitely good. you want to follow proven, proven strategies. That is great, Jean, and that makes a lot of sense. And uh, my own son did that. He said he finished it so quickly, and then he was able to go back. So, right, you're going to go back a few times and, and do that. All right, so thanks so much once again. This has been fabulous advice. This is, um, you know, uh, podcast number 58. You can get the show notes at collegecraftgenius.com forward slash podcast. And I've also put some links in um, on the whole series of podcasts that we've done um, of the PSAT because we did one show that said PSAT test myths, and we did another one that said PSAT don't forget it. Uh, so um, those links are in there for past uh, shows that we did. I mean, one was episode 14, um, way at the beginning of, of the podcast uh, series that you were doing. So um, it's out there and it's been circulating, and uh, hopefully by now people know this information, but we are always finding people who don't, right? So this is all good to know. Well, thanks again, Jean. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this information with the listeners. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for listening to the College Prep Genius Radio Show. You can find more episodes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast or listen on iTunes, on your favorite podcast app, on your phone, on your computer, or on the go. Remember, visit collegeprepgenius.com for more information, and we'll see you soon.